If you have a Bible with you, turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible with you, please go ahead and uh, grab one from the pew in front of you, or maybe it might be on your phone. We're going to be going through uh, just a few verses in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. And it will be most handy if you're able to follow along with us and just see what God's Word truly says. John chapter 13. I think pretty much everybody in this room would nod their heads and agree when I said, Jesus is King. And it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, it doesn't change that fact. He is the King. And no one can, can uh, try to dispute that. Um, and I think even outside of this room, many people who heard that would agree. Um, and I think that uh, many people would say that in light of that, they want to be subjects of that king. And they want to be uh, a part of his kingdom, that victorious kingdom. Now, all of that being said, if I said Jesus was defined as a servant, the Messiah was defined as a servant all the way through the Old Testament, and as we are trying to imitate Christ in all things, and as we are trying, just like we were saying a moment ago, if he is king, we want to be his subject, truly, and, and fully through and through. Would we be able to say, I am a servant like he is? Would I be able to say, I look like he does when he serves? That's really what I want to think about this morning as we look at John chapter 13 and see Jesus truly exemplifying what it means to be a servant. He gives himself as an illustration, as an example to follow. So let's begin in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Just read the first few verses here. In verse 1 of John chapter 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. We'll stop there for just a moment. The first thing that I want to look at as we see Jesus being an example of a servant is, is I want to really hone in on the focus that he puts on being a servant uh, and, and how much of a habit he seems to make it in his own life. First of all, in verse 1, as we just read, it's interesting, the first few verses, it almost seems like one big run-on sentence. There's a lot of information that's given. But in verse 1 specifically, it makes the point that Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus isn't going to be blindsided by the cross. He's not blindsided by the suffering, even, even the moments of agonizing uh, sorrow in the garden. He knows what's coming. But even with all of that knowledge, foreknowledge, he doesn't go running for the hills. He doesn't try to escape his fate. But knowing that his hour had come, he uses the little time he has left, we would say precious time, that he has left to be a servant. I just from the outset, I want to ask, with such little time, what would you do? Sometimes there are people who get 
news that they're not, they're not long for this world. And they don't even get news saying that they're going to die such a horrendous death like this. And it absolutely was avoidable. But you have certain individuals who may get a, a bad report from the doctor and say there's really nothing you can do. And a lot of times what you see, they even make movies about this where the, somebody will get that news and they'll just say, I'm going to take all my life savings, I'm going to go around the world, I'm going to do all kinds of things. The last thing on their mind is girding themselves with a towel. The last thing on their minds is stooping down and being a servant. But Jesus, that's how he not only spends his time, but wants to spend his time. And so from the very outset, what we find is that serving is a higher priority, at least in Jesus' mind, than I think we often realize. It was an incredibly high priority for him in his life. And so he, and he shows that by spending the little time he has left to, to wash his disciples' feet. And, I, and I, I think about this, especially with all the just extreme comforts that we have, especially in our culture. We have blessings we can't even count. They're innumerable. You try to count your blessings. How, how do you, we wouldn't have enough paper to write it down. We wouldn't have enough ink to write it all down. But with all of that being said, I just want to ask, are, not is anyone else in this room, not, not, not is, is my wife, not is my spouse, not are my children being a servant. I just want to ask, with all this extreme comfort, are you making being a servant as much a priority as Jesus did? Remember, we want to be just like the king. And we say we want to be his disciples and we want to subject ourselves to his strictures and his responsibilities that he gives us. Are you that willing when it comes to being a servant? Well, going beyond that, another thing that uh, is mentioned in the passage that we just read in the first five verses, particularly in verse three, it's, it's just, it's, it's, there's so much information crunched in there about who Jesus was. Not only did he know how much time he had, but he knew who he was. This wasn't Jesus not understanding that, you know, sometimes like the movies we watch, oh, you are the chosen one, really. No, Jesus knew he was the son of God. He knew he was God manifested in the flesh. And that thought was never absent from his mind. Everything he does is with that knowledge. And even though he knew he was in fact the greater in this moment, he decides that he, the teacher, the Lord, the leader, the king, he's going to bow down. And he is going to wash his disciples' feet. Those who truly are lesser. Sometimes you can get into a discussion about you know, it, it, you know, who is greater, who is lesser. I think one of the lessons we learn here is that Christ makes certain it doesn't matter. With his example, he shows that. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, I think uh, Paul illustrates this so just wonderfully. But in verse 3, beginning of Philippians chapter 2, in verse 3 he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then what does he go on to say? Have the attitude of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. And what was the mind of Christ? It was too much of a, of a priority in his life to, to let go of. Or to let fall or place on the back burner. It was always on the forefront of his mind. And he shows us time and time again. Not just, not just every now and then, but all throughout his life. And so what I think we see is that from the greatest to the least, serving others, as we read in Philippians 2, is more important than serving self. And as we already indicated, you may indeed be the greater. 
there are going to be situations where you are greater, and it's not even a question. But you are still instructed to serve. I think God helps us um, with just the relationships, the natural relationships that we build on earth. He helps us figure out how to become a servant. Um, especially recently, me and Paige just had a baby. And what's interesting about this baby is, if you're looking at it from a purely objective standpoint, without the bias of a parent, without the bias of, of any of that, he is inferior to every degree. Mentally, emotionally, physically, he can't even hold his own head up. He doesn't have the strength. And yet, even though he is inferior in all those aspects, what happens when he even remotely whimpers in the bassinet? Well, you have a slightly overweight uh, young man and a very beautiful and physically fit uh, young woman going and rushing to the bassinet just to make sure that everything's all right. He didn't even cry yet. But just a tiny little whimper. And what are we doing? We are rushing to serve. I do think it's interesting how God gives us such natural abilities and, and, and just in the relationships we have to learn how to be a servant, whether you are the greater or the lesser, and especially when you are the greater. Because there's going to be times where it's not as easy to stoop down for the lesser uh, like it is for a son or a daughter or a wife or a spouse. There are going to be times where there are people that are absolutely lesser just if you're unbiased about it. And Jesus was willing to serve even those people. And so I just ask again, are, are we just as willing? Maybe there's a church member who's not trying as hard as you. You've been working so hard lately. What does Jesus say? You know what? Just forget it. You, you know what? You've done enough. You need to focus on them doing it. He doesn't say focus on them. He doesn't say you focus on, on getting yourself a reprieve. What he says is, it doesn't matter what they do. You continue to serve. And so I think that there's a few applications just to make from that. Secondly, not only does he show that it's a high priority in his own life, but he also, I think, shows the need to accept service. Picking up in verse 6 of John chapter 13 again. Verse 6, right after it says he girded himself with a towel and begins serving them, it says, so he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to Peter, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Now, a few things just uh, in these few passages, in these few verses that we just read here, especially regarding the need to accept service. First of all, what I think we find is that Peter is, is from at the very beginning, unwilling to be served by Jesus. I think ultimately he's unwilling to be served by someone greater. Um, and you even see some trends in Peter's life where there may be just some volatile nature to his language and how he speaks before he thinks. Think pride is a big issue here for Peter, at least to at least to some degree, because what he has to think through, what he has to understand is this is happening because of Peter's own greatness, because of my own greatness. Why is Peter being served? Because of the greatness of the one serving him. Because Jesus is the greater. Because Jesus is the master. He is the Lord, a humble king. 
then Peter has to acknowledge that. He has to understand that. But from the very beginning, it doesn't seem because of that he wants to accept that service. It's too much. Nobody really likes uh, to, to have a debt over them that they can never repay. Yet with Jesus, that's exactly what you have. And you're going to have to get over it if you want him uh, to pay that for you. You even see at the end of verse 8, as Peter says, no, no, you will never wash my feet. You are too great for it. And in fact, I think he's right. It should have been that the disciples were, were wandering over and, and stumbling over each other to wash Jesus' first, uh, feet first. Who, who's going to be able to do it first? But that's not what happened. Jesus is the first one to stand up and do it. And it, as you see at the end of verse 8, because Peter didn't want to accept that initially, what Jesus indicates is, listen, if you are not willing to accept it, just like he says, you have no part with me. You can't be my disciple. If you not allow, if you not allow me to serve you in this way, you can't have a relationship with me. Now, I think that there's especially something that can be said about our relationship with Christ today. There is a deep need to accept his service. You, and sometimes it's harder than others. Maybe you're struggling with hatred or deep bitterness. When you come to the gospel and you read through Jesus' words, what Jesus says is, I need to change your heart. Not just simply, this needs to stop. It does, but he says, I'm going to have to really change some things and we're going to have to cultivate some, some less uh, stubborn ground and cultivate some more loving ground. I just ask, are you willing to accept that service and let it go? There's a lot of things that's very hard for us to even think about letting off. But are you willing to be a servant like Jesus? And as we're going to see, he serves in, in a very beautiful way, particularly when it happens to be the most difficult. But before we get to that, uh, as you continue throughout the passage, he doesn't just initially uh, try to reject Jesus' service, but then after Jesus tells him, well, you're not going to be able to have any part of me if you don't accept it, Peter, then in verse 9, says, okay, then, Lord, wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. I think to the degree, Peter still can't accept it. So what does he do? Instead of just allowing Jesus to serve him the way Jesus has said, you need it. Instead of allowing that, he turns an act of love into a, really, I would say, a glorifying ritual. It, you know, I think about it in terms like this. It would be an honorable thing to be baptized by a modern-day Barnabas. It would be a very honorable thing to be baptized by a modern-day Apollos or a modern-day Paul. It would not be so much so. It wouldn't be as glorifying or as honorable to have them serve me by helping me out of a sinful habit like pornography. Because in one instance it's, hey, I want to become a Christian. I want to give my life to Christ. That's a beautiful thing. What's not so beautiful is admitting I have a serious issue and I need your help. Again, are you willing to be a servant? Are you willing to accept the service that is required before you can act in that capacity? And as I said before, I think ultimately pride keeps us from accepting service when we need it. There are all kinds of people who say, well, I'll never take charity. To a degree, you're going to have to take it if you want any part with Jesus. And I think this teaches us a weighty lesson about God's grace. God has given us a gift that we cannot afford. He has given us a gift that we cannot afford to deny. 
it is, it is too expensive for us to ever repay either. But, as you think about the other side of that, should we accept it, and we all should, we cannot afford to alter its conditions. We cannot afford to alter the nature of his gift. We have to take it with the conditions and the terms that he puts on it. I'm willing to give you salvation. Are you willing to do what it takes to accept that and to take it? A lot of the time, I don't think people are. They say they are, but they show that they're not because of what they're not willing to let go of that he says you must. Or what he says you have to be willing to do. And they say, I don't want it. And so again, I, I think both of these aspects are very much a part of what it takes to be a servant. And as you see Jesus' uh, priority that he sets on it, and you see how he, he makes clear that we cannot go without it, uh, I, I just wonder, am I missing the mark? Or am I trying to exemplify what we see in John 13? Well, finally, just a couple of applications, really just hammering in these main points. The first, and I think the most important thing, is to serve like Jesus. Over in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. It's a kind of a similar discussion between Jesus and his disciples. But in Luke chapter 22, you see this emphasized that you need to serve like me. And how does Jesus serve? Well, first of all, he desires to serve. In verse uh, 24, it says, And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Now, go back to John chapter 13 and look at what he says the lesson is when you get, uh, begin in verse 11. John 13 and verse 11. He says, For he knew that the one who was betraying him, for this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So once more, you have Jesus acknowledging the fact that you're right, I am greater. I am the teacher. I am the Lord. I am the king. And he uses that to say, if I'm the king and I'm doing these things, you better be. And I think the disciples end up showing that they are willing to do that beautifully, especially as you look at the book of Acts. And you see all the things that they suffer? All the things that they have to go through. Why? Because they want to do what Jesus says. They want to be the servant that he calls for them to be. And so, and that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. I know you already know that. But as you look in verses 11 and even in verse 18, Jesus speaks again, or once more, about the one who would betray him. In verse 18, I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Do you notice that Jesus stoops down and does 
something that, that many of us would say, absolutely not, never would I do something like this. Just because it's gross, it's disgusting, I don't want to be a part of that. Jesus does this, not just for the ones that it's easy to love, but he does this for the one that it's very hard to love. Remember how we started. He knew all things. And he knew that Judas was going to betray him. And even with that, he washes the dirt off his feet. Even with that, he treats him with this level of kindness. I, I, we look at Jesus' example in this. And I, can you just imagine for a moment, Jesus hanging on the cross. And imagine that you could have a conversation with him. This is a hypothetical, obviously. But can you imagine looking up at Jesus on the cross and going through all of the reasons why how you've been so hurt and how you have been so betrayed and you know what? I could never serve this person. They have hurt me too bad. Or they have become my enemy. Can you imagine looking at Jesus on the cross and saying, you have no idea. <laughs> Jesus, really? I, I don't have any idea? You know why I'm up here? Not just for the, not just for Judas, not just for the rest of the twelve disciples, not just for me, but for you. He's up there because we have all betrayed him by transgressing against his commandments, by breaking God's law. And so we, how dare us even insinuate the thought or play with the notion that? If forgiveness is too hard a thing, that, that being a servant, even to those that have hurt us, is too hard a thing. What are you talking about? You know what Jesus has done? And so, we don't get an out to say, well, it's too much, I can't do it anymore. What if Jesus had said that? Well, I think that's the main lesson, but I think another application we need to take from this is that there must be a balance of both a willingness to serve, but also a willingness to be served. Though Christ was the definition of a servant, that didn't mean he didn't accept service when it came his way. You can just think of countless examples throughout his ministry, throughout his life on earth, where people would come to him and they would, they would serve him by one woman coming to him and washing his, feet with, uh, washing his feet with her hair and the tears that she was crying. You have another woman at Bethany, and I believe it's John chapter 12, where she would anoint Jesus' feet, and it was, it was because of who he was. And so it's not like when people would come to serve Jesus, he said, oh, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, I'm, I'm a servant. That doesn't mean that we just never allow anyone to help us whatsoever. Remember what we said earlier, we need service at times, particularly when it comes to Jesus's. And so, especially when it comes to our brethren, I think sometimes when we have the demeanor or the attitude of, well, I'm never going to accept charity, you just take that somewhere else. What are you doing ultimately? Well, you're rejecting service. You're rejecting your brethren the opportunity to be like Christ. And that's all we're trying to be, is just more like him, look more like him, act more like him. And I don't want to hinder my brother or my sister by, by just because of pride maybe saying, I, no, I don't need any help. It may be that you don't. You ever thought about, maybe there's an older widow in the church and she just truly does not have the same capabilities physically that the rest of us in this room do. And maybe all she can do to try and be a servant is maybe maybe uh, she hears that I was sick one day and she makes us makes me some brownies and she tries to take it over. What will happen if I say, "Oh, I, I don't need it. I, I promise, I'm perfectly fine. You take that to somebody else." Well, 
because she's already spent precious energy bringing it to you. And she was trying to serve you. Is it really that important just for my pride to reject and hinder brethren from being more like Christ? No, I don't think it's worth it. And so we need to serve like Christ and we need to help our brethren when they try to serve like him as well. As we've already indicated, Jesus has served us in such a way that can never be repaid. And I know we all understand that. But it can be responded to and it can be accepted. But we have to accept it on his terms. And so I would just say whatever condition you are in, Jesus' work of service can graft you into his kingdom. You're not too lost. You're not too broken. You're not too prideful. You can accept that gift. Are you willing to accept that gift? Are you willing to accept the service of the king and then follow him in like manner, obeying everything that he requires of you? Are you willing to repent? Believe everything that he says? Trust everything he says? Do it no matter what? Confess that he is the Lord? Confess that your allegiance to the king be baptized into his death for, uh, so that you can rise in newness of life, in his life, truly? Do you want that? If we can assist you in that, let us come forward, let your new be made known as we stand and as we sing.